Hello. Thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. How great is the Lord God. How great is the Lord God, 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 how great is the Lord God. All right, Sopranos, come on, bring us in. How great is the Lord God, 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 how great is the Lord God. Come on now, toes and sing. How great is our God? Don't you know He's great? Do you know He's great? Anybody want to sing with me? Come on and sing. If you're at home, come on and sing as loud as you can. Tell God how great He is. Come on, tenors. How great is our God? Come on and sing with me. How great he is. Do you know he's great? Come on and sing. Well, lift your voice and we can sing. How great I know he is great. He's great. Everybody sing. Everybody lift your voice. Come on, let's sing. Oh, how great is our God. How great. Come on and sing. Lift your voice. Tell that God he's so great. I believe he's great. Is he great? He's so kind and I love him. He's great.
Everybody come on and sing, sing. How great, how is our God. Let's sing. to be among the people of God today, both in person and virtually online. I can't tell you how excited I am to be able to have the privilege of presenting the Word of God to His people. Um, it's been a challenging time during this pandemic, but not something that's impossible. Uh, I, I've picked up the mantle not of just uh, uh, the, the minister and the preacher, but I'm also a, a, a third grade teacher now, and I'm a sixth grade teacher, and I also have a daycare of one. And so, so traversing uh, this life now has has changed, but still I'm thankful 
through it all, uh, with all of the, 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 the misfortune that we have faced, uh, there is some silver lining to the things that we're going through. I, I've found that I have a whole lot more time to spend with my family. Uh, we have conversations that we haven't had in a very long time where we just talk about who we are as people, what we like and what we don't like. You know, it, we, we just had a conversation as simple, I believe, on last Sunday is what was our favorite cereal. We were going around just talking about our favorite cereal and, and just enjoying each other as a, as a family at this time and, and having, having the, the, the wherewithal to see what God is doing in this present time has been a blessing. What, we, what, what I've come to see, and I put this question out on this week, you know, what have you learned during this time of uh, this pandemic? And what I've learned is, is that I don't have to be out doing in the world. God continues to make the world do as it should. It's not because of, of my movement. It's not because of my efforts that things continue to happen, that blessings continue to come to my family. But it is the great God that we serve. Amen. Uh, on today, uh, I wanted to start this week uh, by looking at something uh, uh, different. Uh, we, we, we oftentimes ignore laments. We oftentimes ignore laments. And I want to look at God's people as they suffered in the Bible. I want to see their responses as they went through hard times and frustrating times in the Bible. And so I said, I I'm going to look now at the book of Lamentations. I got a little bit of Hebrew under my belt now, and, and um, I, I can read it uh, pretty, pretty decently, and I can translate it, and I'm especially good at translating it with the help of Logos. Uh, but uh, I looked at it, and I opened up the book of Lamentations, and I've been studying all week, and I looked at this thing and said, man, I bit off more than I can chew. But I believe that there's a message here for God's people on this morning, and I want to share it with you. The title for this lesson today is How. The title for the lesson is How. I want to talk to you first about a heated conversation. A heated conversation that happened on a radio show. There's, there's a radio show. Some of you may know of it. Some of you may not. There's a radio show on Sirius XM that is called Sway in the Morning. Sway in the Morning. And on this radio show, uh, the host, which is called, or his name is Sway, he interviews Kanye West. And this happened years ago. And he, he's interviewing Kanye West, and he's asking Kanye West about his business endeavors. And Kanye West began to have a conversation with him about the things that he's going through. Kanye says, man, I'm trying to get into this fashion business. I'm trying to make things happen. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get this design thing off the floor. And it's frustrating because I spent over $13 million on this thing. And, and, and you got to be a certain type of person to get into this industry. And it's just not happening for me. Kanye was showing his frustration. He's using his hands to talk. He's turned his body away from the host of the show. And you can see visually that his frustration and his confusion and his suffering has caused him to change right there in that moment. And Sway begins to talk to Kanye and he says, you know what, Kanye, but well, why don't you just do, do this A, B and C and why don't you just try this? And, 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 and it just so happened that this wasn't what Kanye wanted to hear at this moment. And Kanye says to Sway, how Sway? How Sway? You ain't got the answer, Sway. And it's become a meme now, right? Kanye lost it. And as you can see in this moment, he's talking. You can see his mouth getting ready to say, how? You ain't got the answer, Sway. 
And he's changed himself in the moment, and he's frustrated in the moment. Suffering can do that. Frustration can do that. But if you look at today, Kanye West now has one of the most popular and uber expensive shoes in the world. The Yeezys sell out before they come out. They are priced way too high, almost higher than the car notes, some people's car notes. And he also had a protege in which he was training, who that man went on to be the uh, work with Louis Vuitton and to put out a clothing line called Off-White. And so now Kanye's frustrations are in the past, and those moments that he was having so many years ago have gone. And they are no longer present. The same struggles. And what I want you to see in this illustration is, is that though we may face frustration now, though we may face suffering now, there is going to come a point when it ends, when it is over. And we will look back on the things that we went through and we say, I didn't know how then, but I know how now. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is that in the midst of the struggling, in the midst of the suffering, how do I handle how do I handle it? How do I handle it? I'm not asking you to think about the person that's sitting next to you on the couch. I'm not asking you to think about that other essential co-worker that, that works with you and they can't handle their frustration and their suffering. Well, I'm asking you to think within about who you are, you yourself. How do you handle your suffering and frustration? In the moment when you're dealing with it, you ask yourself the question, uh, I want you to be honest. Ask yourself, who do you believe to be at fault? Who's at fault whenever you're suffering and when you're frustrated? I want you to ask yourself, what is your initial response? I want you to also ask yourself, when, at what point do I give up? When do I give up? When, when does suffering and frustration become so big that I just give up altogether? Where do you go when you're suffering, when you're frustrated? Where do you go? Do you go to God? My last question I want to ask, I want you to ask yourself is, when you're going through the suffering, and you're in the moment, in the frustrating moments, you ask yourself maybe why, why are you allowed to suffer? Why are you even allowed to suffer? Today we will trek through the Word of God in the book of Lamentations. And I want you to understand that as we look at the book of Lamentations, this is a book that was written and believed to be written by the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet who, who went about warning God's people of their current actions and making sure that they get themselves right with God. And as, and as we still see often today, when, when the man of God presents a warning to the people, sometimes it's not heeded, sometimes it's not obeyed. And when that happens, then suffering comes, then, then, then that persecution comes, and they're dealing with that. And I, I don't want you to take this message and say, we're going through this pandemic because we sinned, because we messed up, because as you'll see over the next couple of weeks, there are many different reasons as to why we go through the suffering that we go through. And today, I just want you to ask yourself, how? When we look at Lamentations, we're looking at God's people as they have and are being punished. They are answering for the sins that they have committed in their past, and they did it over and over and over again, and they did not observe God as being God. 
And I want you to understand and realize through this sermon today, if you don't get anything else, I want you to understand this. Suffering is inevitable. Suffering is going to come. Suffering is going to happen. But when it does come, we should not suppress it and allow it to harm our physical health or our mental health. But we should internalize this in an orderly fashion and trust God with our suffering. Amen. We got one amen with that. Suffering isn't fun. Suffering isn't fun. Let us look at Lamentation chapter one. Lamentations chapter one. I'm going to read the text in its entirety. I'm going to start off by reading the text in its entirety. I'll be reading from the ESV translation on today. And I want you to pay attention as we read this. Now, I'm intentionally reading this slow today uh, because, as we'll see uh, with this this first chapter here, I believe chapter one, chapter two uh, and chapter four, I think. And, and, and I don't think cha- well, chapter three as well. Chapters one through four, I believe they're all acrostics. And, and, and what's happening here is that in the original language, uh, you're able to see the first letter of the Hebrew, uh, you're able to see all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet on each line. It begins with uh, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet on each line. Each verse is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So in essence, we're seeing Jeremiah lay out the frustrations and the lament of, of uh, of, of Jerusalem in a very ordered fashion. This is the ABCs of Jerusalem's suffering. This is the ABCs of their suffering. Now, I want you to understand first, before we go there, Sister Bond, go to, uh, I think I have my definition for what a lament is. I want to explain that before we get into it. A lament, uh, laments are a song of mourning or sorrow. If you're taking notes at home, this is what a lament is. It is a song or a prayer of mourning or sorrow. I want you to understand that as as we are dealing with frustrating times and as we are dealing with suffering, that it is okay. It is okay to take God, to take to God your suffering, to take to God your complaints, to take to God the things that you don't like. Because guess what? He already knows. Will we trust him with what we're going through? Go to the next slide here. Also, I want you to understand that laments may be occasioned by bereavement, personal trouble, national disaster, or the judgment of God. Let's go back to chapter one of Lamentations here. Uh, The Bible reads in the ESV version, verse number one, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become? She who was a great nation or great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude. She dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The rose to Zion mourn, for none come to the festival. All her gates are desolate. Her priests groan. Her virgins have been afflicted. 
and she herself suffers bitterly. Her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From the daughter of Zion, all her majesty has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wondering all the precious things that were hers from days of old when her people fell into the hand of the foe and there was none to help her. Her foes gloated over her. They mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem sinned grievously. Therefore, she became filthy. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. She took no thought of her future, therefore her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. The enemy has stretched out his hands over all her precious things. For she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, those who you forbade to enter your congregation. All her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look and see. If there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger, from on high he sent fire into my bones and he made it descend. He spread a net for my feet and turned me back. He has left me stunned, faint all the day long. My transgressions were bound into a yoke. My transgressions were bound into a yoke. By his hand they were fastened together. They were set upon my neck. He caused my strength to fail. The Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I cannot withstand. The Lord rejected all the, all my mighty men in my midst. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden as in a wine press the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is no comfort. But there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbors should be his foes. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. But hear all you peoples and see my suffering. My young women and my young men have gone into captivity. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and elders perished in the city while they sought food to revive their strength. Look, O oh Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. 
In the street, the sword bereaves. In the house, it is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. You have brought the day you announced. Now let them be as I am. Let all their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions. For my groans are many and my heart is faint. I want to share with you for a moment a message of how. A message of how. We look at the destruction that is going on with the people of Jerusalem. We look at God's people, God's chosen people, and we examine here the destruction of his people. Through verses 1 through 11, we look at the destruction. We look at what they're going through, what they've been handed as God's people. Now, just think about this for a moment. God made a promise long ago to Abraham that through his seed, the world would be blessed. Through his seed, that, uh, that, those, who, that those who blessed them would be blessed and that they would be great and that they would be as numerous as the stars. And now all of a sudden, the things that they're going through doesn't match up with the promise that God first made to Abraham all this time ago. Look at their, wor- their world for a moment. Look at verse number one. Verse number one of Lamentations, what does it say, Brother Arnold? How lonely sits the city that was full it of says, people. How lonely sits the city. Keep reading. Read how one. will a widow has she become? Uh-huh. She who was great among the nations. Uh-huh. She who was a princess among the princes has become a slave. I want you to see here. He starts off. He starts off. Jeremiah starts off with the word how. How in the world? How? How is this happening? We are your people. We used to be great. We used to be above all other nations. How has this happened? We used to be holy. We used to be the one to be looked up to. And now we're as slaves. The before and after of what's going on in in Jerusalem is, is scary. It's frustrating. And we know that his people have to be frustrated. Lamentation, verse number two, the next verse says what? She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Understand here that as we look through Lamentations, it's not talking about an actual woman, but it personifies Jerusalem as being a woman. It says that Jerusalem weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Can you imagine Can you imagine? I know that some of you have gone through this in your life where you have been hurt, where you have been suffering, and you're laying in your bed at night. You can't figure out why you're going through the things that you're going through, and you're just crying there. You're crying, and you're in sorrow, and you're in pain emotionally. And as you look to the people who you thought were lovers, and nowhere, nobody there to comfort her. You see, Jerusalem had a problem. They like to rely on others. They like to rely on others instead of God. God said, I want you to rely on me. I want you to understand that I am your strength. I am your help. But they chose to rely on other places like Egypt. And when it came time for Babylon to come and attack them, Egypt couldn't help them with what they were going through. And so now, because of her sin... She sits and she cries and she's in sorrow. And those that she had as side pieces, as the young people say, right? Those who were not the one who she was in covenant with, they're no longer there to comfort. Now the times have gotten rough. Now the things have become flipped upside down. They're not there. And she says, even my friends dealt treacherously with me. They now become my enemies. 
Look at the world that they existed in. Next verse. What does it say there? Verse Judah has gone into exile because of affliction Judah, and right? hard servitude. Now, this right here, this translation is a bit odd. As I'm translating, it was a bit different, but we'll take the translation to describe their word, world here. Read that again. Judah has gone into exile. Judah has gone into exile because okay. of affliction and hard servitude. Okay. She dwells now among the nations, right. but finds no resting she finds place. no resting place. Read. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. Uh-huh. Now, look at this. As she's suffering, she's not just suffering from the front, but she's suffering from the left. She's suffering from the right. She's suffering from behind. Everybody is coming at her at the same time Jerusalem is suffering. And I know that we've been there before. When it ain't one problem, it's many problems. We started off with one problem and it becomes many. It's a multitude of problems. And we're suffering and we're frustrated and we're just there, stuck in the moment. Verse number four, the Bible reads what? The road to Zion mourns, for road. none come to the festival. Come on, read. All her gates are desolate. Her All right. Priest grown. Uh-huh. Her virgins have been afflicted, and she herself suffers bitterly. Understand that the city of Jerusalem, they would have these festivals to where everybody who obeyed God would come back and worship in these festivals. And now she's saying those same roads the people used to gather on to travel up to Jerusalem, where they would read those Psalms of Ascent and get ready to go into the temple, they're deserted. The roads themselves, they mourn because nobody's coming to Jerusalem anymore. The gates are desolate. The priests are suffering. Those religious leaders. It says that her virgins, her young women, have been afflicted. And Jerusalem suffers bitterly. Nothing is going well. The happy past is now bitter. The present is bleak. And the future seems at this moment in time of suffering to be pointless. Verse number five, the Bible reads what? Her, her foes, foes have become the head of her enemies it says prosper. The foes have become the head. Those who used to be enemies now are above her, now are in charge of her, now have authority of her. And it says that they don't just have authority over Jerusalem, but they also prosper. Have you ever been in the position to where the people who are against you are doing better than you are? This is what they're dealing with right now. I know that you've been through it. And if you haven't, at some point in your life, the very people who are against you are going to be doing better than you. May be above you or have authority over you. Keep reading. Because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. It says the Lord has afflicted Jerusalem, the people of God, Israelites, for the multitude the many sins. Come on, read. Her children have gone away captives before the foe. Here we see that God is responsible because they were not. God is responsible for the troubles that have come their way because they were not responsible to what God asked them to do. And you see at the very end that the children suffer because of parental error. The children suffer because of parental error. Now, as people of God in this country, as people of God in this country, how long will we ignore sin? How long will we treat sin as if it's something minor instead of the rattlesnake that it is? Will we allow our children to suffer because of parental error? Verse number six, read on. 
from the daughters of Zion, it says, all her majesty has departed. Uh-huh. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture. All right. They fled without strength before the pursuer. Man, you look at this, all of this. Listen, listen. It says that the princes, those who would have been of some type of authority, they're like deer, they find no pasture. They fled without strength. All of this could have been avoided. Jeremiah the prophet, he comes and he's warning. You look at Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 17. Go to that next slide there. Jeremiah 38, 17. Jeremiah is warning them ahead of time. The Bible says, then Jeremiah said it to Zedekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if you will, what? Surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then your life shall be spared. And this city shall not be burned with fire. And you and your house shall live. God tried to show some type of mercy with them. And still they didn't obey. Still they didn't listen. And they're facing a terrible existence right now. Verse number seven says, Jerusalem what? Remembers. It says, Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering what? All the precious things that were hers from days of old. All the precious things, those good things that we used to have, those things that God was continuing to give us even when we weren't obedient to God. Do you remember the good things before the suffering came? I want you to understand that when you're in the midst of your suffering and your frustration, I want you to lay out, start ordering your thoughts and lay these things out. How, How was life before? How was life before, and how did I act and treat those things before the suffering came? Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wondering all the precious things that were that were hers from the days of old. Keep reading right there, brother. When? When her people fell into the hands of the foe, uh-huh. and there was none to help her, uh-huh. her foes gloated over her. Uh-huh. They mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem believed that they would never fall. They, they had confidence in their affluence, their, their prosperity, and their security. We have an army. We have walls. We have a great city. There's no way that we can fall. There's no way that things will be turned upside down. There's no way that life is going to change for us because we are who we are. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before fall. We, we, we didn't, we wouldn't have thought in a million years that we would be living in an America where people are, we were just about at the point of where we're on lockdown, where everybody has to stay home. We never thought that that would happen. Don't, or never, say never. Never say never. Don't ever say what won't be. Understand that suffering, affliction, frustrating times are going to come. They're going to come. Appreciate the good times. And I don't mean that in a sense to where just have fun with the good things and the blessings that God gives us. Be good stewards for what God has given you. Be thankful for what you have. Because one day it could be to where that thing, that good thing, is gone. Verse number eight. What does the Bible say there? 
Jerusalem sinned grievously. The Bible says Jerusalem sinned grievously. Therefore she became filthy. It says she became filthy. Keep reading. All who honored her despise her, uh-huh. for they have seen her nakedness. Uh-huh. She herself groans and turned her face it away. It describes Jerusalem as a woman who has been exposed. All of her nakedness has been exposed for the world to see, and she's groaning because she's ashamed of what everybody else is seeing. That, that, that's a powerful, a powerful picture there. Imagine yourself. And I know some of us have had that dream to where we, we are in places that we're familiar with and we realize that we're naked, right? And it is a bad feeling because you just want to get away. You know that even as you run away, people are still going to see your shame from behind, right? She is now sinned and she is facing the music, right? And those who used to see her as honorable, they now mock her. She is ashamed. Verse 9, keep reading it. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. Oh, this is, she this, t- is, this is a very, very vivid picture. This is saying her, her uncleanliness, what comes from beneath is in her skirt, right? She took no thought. The Bible says she took no thought. Read that. She took no thoughts of her future. She took no thoughts of her future. Therefore, her fall is terrible. Therefore, her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. Uh-huh. Oh, Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. It says that Israel had no shame before punishment, and because she had no shame in her sin and her transgressions, her fall was even more terrible. When we have no shame in our sin, when we have no remorse for the wrong things that we do, understand that your fall is going to be terrible. But now she calls to God in this current state. God, pay attention. She says, behold, behold, take a look at, pay attention to what I'm going through because the enemy is winning, God. You're not for them, right? You're supposed to be for me. You're supposed to be on my side. Remember, God? Verse 10, what does she say? The enemy has out, has stretched out his hands over all her precious things, uh-huh. for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, uh-huh. those whom you forbade to enter your congregation. She's looking at this thing. Just imagine the people of God as, as only the holy people, the, the priests, are allowed to go into the holy parts of the temple, and, and one is allowed to go into the holy of holies, and she sees all these foreigners, people who don't obey God, just going in there tearing things up in the temple. You know, sometimes we take we take we take our obedience to God for granted and we begin to just go through the motions. You remember whenever we were allowed to come into the the building here on Avenue G and 11th and we would come into the building and oftentimes we would have to say, hey, man, we're going we're going to do this again. We're going to sing this song. We're going to start this song over because we are here to worship God, not just go through the emotions Do you remember how it felt to receive those instructions and now we aren't allowed to assemble together? And it's something that's missed. I miss it as we aren't here fully as an assembly. I know that those watching, you miss being in your respective places where you worship. And you have to ask yourself, did I take what I had for granted? Did I take what I had for granted? I was allowed to come together with other people of God and sing praises and agreement about God and to God and how good he has been. Did I not sing? Did I not pray? Did I not give? Did I not focus on the sacrifice of Jesus to the best of my ability? She realizes now as she sees those who don't obey God going and destroying the temple, they're tearing things down. 
that wall that they thought protected them didn't. The temple that they didn't take as being holy is now being destroyed. She said, they're not allowed in here, but now they're in here. This is their present state. Verse number 11, what does the Bible say? All her people groan as they search for bread. All, all people groan as they search for bread. Just like people searching for toilet tissue today. Okay, keep reading. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. It says they trade their treasures. They're treasures for food. Come on, keep reading. Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. I want you to see here that the people are struggling. They're suffering, and they're starting to get to the point to where they're desperate because they're taking things that are valuable to buy things that they actually need. They've traded blessings for necessities of life. Because God is no longer providing those things. Sometimes we think that we give ourselves what we need when it's actually God. It's not your job. It's not your nine to five. It's not the 40 hours that you work a week. God is the one through which our blessings flow. God gave somebody the idea to start the company or the business or the place where you work at. He, he allowed for our dollar to still hold the value that it does in the world. He keeps the stream going. He keeps the banks open. He keeps the people healthy that need to be healthy, healthy to make sure that we get the stimulus and the help and the paycheck that we need. It's not, it's not the green stuff. It's God. And now Jerusalem exists in a state to where they're all groaning and they're trading in things that that are valuable. That's like it. We, we, we might get to the point to where people start trading in their laptops and iPads for toilet paper. It's akin to what they're going through right now. And she asked God again. Jerusalem asked God again. Look at me. Look, God, look, see, pay attention because I'm despised. She is worthy of the punishment that she is receiving, yet she asked God to pay attention to her. She asked God to pay attention to her. And I have to ask you before we get to this next slide, I have to ask you the question that while we're going through this suffering and while we're living in a world that is flipped, turned upside down, have you cried out to God? Have you cried out to God? This is exactly what Jeremiah is doing as he outlines the ABCs of their suffering. He's crying out to God saying, God, this is what I'm going through. These are my thoughts. God, pay attention to me, please. Tell God your honest thoughts and emotions. This is our next slide here. Tell God your honest thoughts and emotions because he already knows. Do you trust him to handle him properly. And I also want you to notice this and pay attention to this. An orderly outlining of our problems is good for our mental health. Don't take these things into your body, your human body that is frail, and just allow them to sit there and fester. Work them out on paper, send them to God, and leave them there. We don't need folks being mentally ill because they want to hold in their problems instead of taking them to the one who can carry the burden. Tell God what you're upset about. Tell God, listen, they didn't have a leg to stand on. They sinned. They earned what they were going through, yet they still sent their complaints to God. You can too. Now, some of us are going through some struggles and some some frustrating times right now because of something that we did. Tell God what you're going through. What we're going to see here 
it's as she lays out everything uh, that's going on in her world at this time and, and things that are current in her world, she asks the question now in verse number 12. She, she says, does anybody, does anyone even care? Does anyone even care about what I'm going through? Verse number 12, Brother Arnold, read that for us. Read that. Come on. Is it nothing to you? Is it nothing to you? All you who pass by, uh-huh. look and see if there's any sorrow like my sorrow. Right. Which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. I want you to see here that now she's seeking sympathy, but she understands that what is happening is being controlled by God. She's looking around. Does nobody feel sorry for what's happening with me? Does anybody not see my pain? And I've been in that situation to where I'm going around and I'm walking and I'm in frustrating time and I'm wondering, does anybody even care? They can't see that I'm sad. They can't see that my mood has changed. They can't see that my actions have changed. Does anybody even care? I remember when I lived out in Phoenix by myself or with my roommate, uh, friends from school, uh, Steve, and, and I remember getting in a car accident, and my car got totaled out, uh, and 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 I'm I'm having to walk back and forth to work. And in in Phoenix, they have these, uh, even though it's a desert, they have these things that come every now and then. Uh, I can't remember the proper name for it, but it seems like all of a sudden God just drops the whole sky, every all the water molecules that have accumulated over the desert, He just drops them all at one point in time. Right. And it's like a, a hurricane or a tsunami or something. And I lived about two miles away from where my apartment or I worked about two miles away from where my apartment was. And I'm walking home. I worked at a Toyota dealership and I washed cars there and I'm walking home. And then this rain comes. Rain comes and it's falling down and I'm walking miles to my apartment in the rain. It's pouring down. I don't have enough money. I don't even have 40 cents to get on the bus. And people are just whizzing by in their cars on the streets. And I'm looking at these cars. I'm like, man, if I had a car and I saw somebody walking, I would have asked them. I would ask them if they need a ride. When I did have a car out there and I saw people, well, I could give people rides out there because it's hot. But in this case, it's raining. It's pouring down raining. My clothes are soaking wet. People just driving by, speeding by. And I'm asking myself, do they even care that I'm out here getting soaked in the water? They didn't because nobody stopped. Can't get on the bus. They're not going to let you on if you don't have a measly 40 cents. This is what Jerusalem is going through at this time. Saying, does anybody even care? And they understand that what they're going through. Look at this right here in verse number 12. It says, the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. I want you to not misunderstand God in this. I want you to see this, that even though God has a fierce anger that is that when is met with our opposition called sin, his anger is fierce, but it is controlled. His anger is fierce. His anger is fierce, but it is controlled. God is not going to do things to take you out. Right? Now, he is in control of everything, but God doesn't just say, okay, there's no point in dealing with this person anymore, right? There, there, we've seen some cases in the Old Testament where, uh, where that was necessary because of certain situations, but God's fierce anger 
is a controlled anger. Verse number 13. From on high, he sent fire. It says, from on high, he sent fire. Into my bones, he made it descend. Listen to the wording here. Listen to how this is portrayed. She says, from on high, he sent fire into my bones. How many of us have felt the aches and pains of our bones? And it says that God has sent fire into my bones. This isn't saying it's a physical pain, but it's saying the pain that I feel is deep. It's within me. It's deep. And it's not just in my bones, but it did what? He spread a net for my feet. He spread a net for my feet. That's he, a, I fell into this thing that I'm now in. What, what, what happened? He turned me back. He turned me back. He has left me stunned. He left me stunned. Faint all the day long. I want you to understand that sometimes God allows suffering so that we can turn around from the sin that we were walking and some of us were even running in. Sometimes God has to put something on you that is hard for you so that you can see what you can't see. God will send something that is scary, even terrifying. And he will put you in a position to where you believe there's no mercy. He will put you in a position to where you feel weak, so weak that you have nobody else to turn to but him. God knows that only he can do what we need. And sometimes we get in our own way because we try to find solutions to our problems. To our problems that are not actually solutions. God wants us to turn to him. But here she is still feeling miserable. Verse number 14, what does it say? My transgressions were bound into a yoke. I want you to see here. See, he, he says, Jeremiah the prophet says, Israel speaking. And notice she said, uh, my transgressions, my sins, they were bound together. Listen, listen. Picture this. God making something, making this yoke. Uh, the yoke is an instrument that is used uh, uh, that is to guide things, right? Uh, right. That, that is, it is heavy, but it is used to guide things where you want them to be. And it says, my transgressions, the things that I did wrong, were bound together, bound into a yoke. Listen, keep reading. By his hands, they were fastened together. By his hands, they were, they were fastened together. They were keep set reading. upon my neck. Uh-huh. He caused my strength to fail. Uh-huh. The Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I cannot withstand. Listen to this. The wrong she committed was made into a burden. God doesn't build the burdens for us. Listen, when God created the earth, when God created the animals, when God created Adam and Eve, he didn't look at this thing and said, it is bad. He said, it's good. But man's actions, man's potential to do wrong and ability to do wrong, and what we always do, falling into sin, it caused evil and suffering to come into this world. God didn't make this yoke. Jerusalem made the yoke for themselves. All God, all, all God did was place it on them. Their transgressions were made into a yoke. The things they did wrong were made into something that caused a heavy burden on them. And it says that God took that yoke that they built with their transgressions and he fastened it together and he put it on their neck. And he allowed them to fall based on what they built. And I have to ask, because I'm looking at this and while I'm studying, I'm asking myself, what type of yoke am I building for myself? How heavy a burden am I building for myself to carry? You got to ask yourself the same question. What type of yoke are you building for yourself? 
the things, the times in which we fall and we're struggling, what, what type of things are we building for ourselves? And I'm talking about this type of suffering. There'll be different types of suffering that we're talking about. But in this type of suffering, what type of yoke are you building for yourself? God made it, but he didn't create the material. The transgressions did. Verse number 15. The Lord rejected all my mighty men in my midst. It says the Lord rejected all my mighty men. Those, those men who they thought could save them from any nation. It says God rejected them. They, they, they're nothing without me. Keep reading. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. Uh-huh. The Lord has trodden as in winepress the virgin daughter of Judah. Listen, the imagery here says God has trodden as in a, the Lord has trodden as in a wine press. God took Jerusalem because of their sin and threw them into this wine press as if they were grapes. And what they do was they smash those grapes down. They get the juices from them and they extract something. I need you to see this here. God didn't allow what they perceived as strengths to help save them. God says the things that you rely on, the things that you think Keep you going through the day. They're not actually strengths unless I make them strengths. He said, I'm going to let this country called Babylon come in and ruin you. The same nation who just marched around the walls of Jericho and conquered it. Now they fall to a lesser people. One who has a God that is not real. Because of your sin. Now, as you're reading this, I want you to understand. I want you to understand that even though God may allow for us to be trodden down in the wine press, understand that once things go through the process of being pressed down, the grapes are pressed down, they're allowed to go through the process of fermentation. They become more valuable after the process. They become more valuable after the process. They become wine. Right, something that was valuable in that time, but to go through the process is something else. God didn't allow their strength to save. Verse number sixteen. What does the Bible read there? For these things I weep. She says, my, "For these things I weep." My eyes flow with tears. Come on. For a comforter is far from me. Come on. One to revive my spirit. Uh huh. My children are desolate. Uh -huh. For the enemy has prevailed. She's crying. There's no comforter in sight. She seeks courage. She seeks hope for the future. My children are desolate, Jerusalem says. They don't have a future. There's nobody to comfort me presently. There's nobody for the future of my children. Verse 17 says what? Zion stretches out her hands. Picture this. The people of God stretching out their hands. In the past, they've stretched out their hands. They called out to God, and God saved them immediately. But in this present time, what happens? But there's none to comfort there's her. There's nobody to comfort. There's nobody to comfort. And the Bible says what? The Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbors should be his foes. Mm. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. God looks at them and he sees a filthy people. And it hurts. It hurts at times. It hurts all the time for the father to correct his children. Oftentimes, uh, I deal with my children just yesterday. Just yesterday. My wife, she had an extra day off from work. You know, and usually, you know, I, I'm 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 one of those fun dads. I like for them to have some fun. You know, uh, you get your work done, you can have some fun, right? But uh, my wife is a no nonsense person when it comes to them, and 
we were playing video games together. Uh, as a matter of fact, we stayed up way too late on Friday playing video games. We played video games till 4 a.m. in the morning. Uh, but they're playing video games, and they begin to argue with each other while my wife was taking a nap. And I told them, I said, listen, if y'all would just get along with each other, then you won't get in trouble, and you can keep doing fun things. You can keep having fun. You keep doing whatever you want to do, right? I'm fun dad. If you just listen and obey, you'll be fine. I sit back down, and not 10 minutes later, two of them are arguing with each other, making too much noise. She wakes up, get up and go. Go in your room, right? Go in your room. Leave the game alone. I'm just looking. I'm just like, man, why, why don't they listen? Why won't they listen? I'm giving them the instructions in order for them to have some fun in order for them to continue having fun, in order for them to be pleasing to their mother, and they won't listen. And so I see them in the room, and and one is crying, and, and one just don't care. They're like, okay, it is what it is. And I'm just looking at them like, man, you brought this on yourself. I tell them, you did this to yourself. At this moment in time, Jerusalem is looking for a comforter, and they don't have a comforter. Because in the times where they didn't need a comforter, they didn't acknowledge the comforter. There are times when it seems as though no one cares. And you will see the evidence of no one caring. And I, and I put quotation marks around that. You will see the evidence of your suffering. And no one to help or comfort. While God's anger is fierce, it is controlled. And his will and his way are perfect. Know that he loves those that he chastises. I have no doubt that my, my wife loves my daughter. And the same with God. He loves those who he chastises. No matter what you think, God cares. No matter what you see, God cares. And God loves you. Now, take a look at this. Verse number 18, uh, that she changes up. She says, I messed up. I messed up. Look at verse number 18. Verse number 18, what the Bible say? The Lord is in the right. It says the Lord is in the right. Now, look at this word here. We, we, we all have heard this word before. Uh, how, we know about Tony, 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 right? Raphael, Sadiq, right? He changed his name. That word Sadiq there in the Hebrew means to be morally right. It means to be morally right. A person whose conduct is examined and found to be unobjectionable, right? The Lord is Sadiq. The Lord is righteous in what he did and what he allowed to happen. She realizes now the Lord is in the right. The Lord is Sadiq for what? For I have rebelled against his she word. She says, I've rebelled against his word. But hear all you peoples and see my she suffering. She says, but pay attention, all you people. Understand that if you truly are loving towards other people, you will warn them when you have gone through something that they might go through. She says, I want everybody to pay attention to what I'm going through right now. Hear, Shema, all people, listen and obey. Watch, watch, pay attention to what I'm going through, right? He says, see my suffering. See my suffering. See what I'm going through. This suffering that I'm going through is not just for me. The suffering that I'm going through is not just for my downfall, not just to destroy me, but it is for you so that you don't have to go through what I'm going through right now. 
Keep reading that. My young women and my young men have gone into captivity. He says, my young women and my young men have gone into captivity. The punishment is real. Things are fun at first when we do what we want to do. But vengeance is his. It's coming. There's an answer to our disobedience coming. Verse number 19, what does the Bible read? I called to my lovers. Again, she says, I called to my lovers. I was trying to chit-chat and be cool with Egypt and all these other nations that had the mighty chariots and all these different weapons. But I called to them when I'm existing in my suffering. And they what? But they deceived me. They deceived me. They wasn't real. They wasn't for me. My no priests, new friends, in the, as in the words of Drake. No new friends, just God. My priests, what? And elders perished in the city uh-huh. while they sought food to revive their strength. It says my priests and elders, they perished in the city while they sought food to revive their strength. Bad leadership ignored Jeremiah the prophet. And I want to understand that you really, really need to examine your leaders and your leadership. You really need to examine your leaders and your leadership and where their hearts are. Verse number 20, what does the Bible say? Look, O Lord, for I am in she distress. Says again, she says again, pay attention to me, God. I'm in distress. I'm hurting. My, she says what? My stomach churns. Uh-huh. My heart is wrung within me. Right. Because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword breathes. In the houses, it is like death. She again states that she isn't well, but she does state now that she is deserving. She isn't doing well, but she is deserving. And sometimes we have to look at our suffering. And when we examine ourselves and we lay everything out, when we lay all the things out that have gone on in our life, the things that we've allowed ourselves to fall into, the things that we've done against God, sometimes when we lay them out when we're in our suffering, we find out that we're the ones that caused it. Sometimes we need to see that. And sometimes it's hard for us to see. And there are some people who tell us and we get upset. But at some point, we got to see when we're in those situations of suffering that have been caused by our own hands. You got to say, you know what? I earned this. I worked hard for it, and I earned it. Her heart has been changed because of outside circumstances changing, because of what God allowed. The bad things that God allowed to happen have changed her heart. Suffering has a way of bringing clarity. Suffering has a way of bringing clarity. Sometimes whenever we go through hard things in our life and we examine ourselves and we see that we have done wrong, it will bring clarity to us and it will then in turn hopefully bring repentance and a way back to God. Now, we see in verse number 21 through 22, what does she say there? Make it right. She says, make it right. Make it right, God. Right now, after she sees what she's done, and she recognizes and accepts her own. She says, God, I now want you to make it right. Read verse number 21. They heard my groaning. She says, they heard my groaning. She's talking about the enemies right now, those who are not with God. She says, they heard my groaning. Yet there's no one to comfort me. There's nobody to comfort me. Keep reading. All my enemies have heard of my trouble. Come on. They are glad that you have done it. They said, you- She says, they're glad. That you punished me. Keep reading. You have a, you have brought the day you announced. Uh-huh. Now let them be as I am. She points to the enemy and the vindication of his people. She says, remember that I'm your people. Remember that I belong to you. 
They're laughing at me. They're making fun of me. They're glad that my destruction has come. I remember now who I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be showing them who you are through my life, through my actions. I'm supposed to be doing that. And I remember that now. Make it right, God. Verse number 22. What does the Bible say? Let all their evil doing come before Let you. Let all their evil doing come before you. And deal with them as you have dealt with me. Deal with them as you have dealt with me. Because of all my transgressions. Come on. For my groans are many, uh-huh. and my heart is faint. See, 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 at this time, it was normal for somebody to look at their enemy and say, I put a curse on you. Put a curse on you. Because you, you, you're not right. You're not right. The God you serve isn't right. Your actions aren't right. The way that you worship isn't right. God, make it right. Fix it. And I want you to understand that as people of God, we aren't called to do that. As Christians, we aren't called to do that. We're called to love our enemies. But what, what I want you to see in this is the fact that she's asking God to make things right again. She stands in guilt, filthy before the eyes of God. Filthy, guilty. Before the eyes of God, and yet she asked for mercy and she asked for righteousness from God. I want you to understand that even if you're in the moment of suffering and frustration right now caused by your own doing, you can ask God to make it right. Some people think that they aren't worthy of God's righteousness, of God doing well for them. God has given you the opportunity, if you're still breathing right now, if you can still hear what I'm saying, if you're reading captions later on, God has given you the opportunity to take advantage of his righteousness. God can, God will make it right. We may look at this, Lamentations chapter 1, and we may say the people are still in suffering. Yes, they're still in suffering. They're still in suffering. They're still going through what they're going through. They're still having to deal with the problems of being under Babylonian captivity. But what we need to understand is this. I love this song. I love the, the, the lyrics of this song. And what we need to understand is this. It won't, it won't always be like this. Sooner or later, it will turn in your favor. Y'all know that song? It won't always be like this. The Lord will protect that concerning me sooner or later turn around for me, right? The situation that you're going through right now won't always be as it is. It won't always be bad like it is. It all—it won't always be the moment of you asking how. Somebody tried to give you advice and you just spaz that on them. How, Sway? How? Right? It won't always be like that. This moment that we're existing in right now, it won't always be. We've seen things like this come and go before. But in the moment, that's what I'm concerned with right now. I know that God is going to take care of us. I know that God will make sure that we're taken care of as he has done in the past. He's proven himself to be a good God, a mighty God, an awesome God. But right now in this moment, how are you handling your suffering? How are you handling your frustration? You may be asking yourself how. In this Lamentation chapter 1, we really don't. We don't get a valid response, you know. We don't get a really, really great response. We don't know how, or they didn't know, as it's being written, how they're going to come out of this thing, right? God doesn't respond as Jeremiah is writing and say, oh, it's over now. No, they, they have to deal with it. 
They have to deal with it. They have to go through it. And they have to trust God through the process. So while we don't know how right now in this moment, we know how later God will redeem his people. God will redeem his people. If you're not a Christian on today, I want you to understand that God, he loves you. He, he has seen all that has been uh, completed by you in the past, all things that you have done in your past. And he says, you know what? I know that you've sinned. I, I know that you've lived contrary to my will. And I have a way for you to take advantage of my righteousness. He, he, he stated in his word that he sent his son for the purpose of, of redeeming you of your sins. Uh, we all can be participants in this salvation, but we first must believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He, it, it's, it, it's a fact. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He came to this earth as a, as a man, 100% hum, human and 100% God. He lived and died. He lived a perfect life. And whenever he died, he did not stay dead. He rose from the dead, never to die again. Do you believe that message? Are you willing to repent of your sins? Are you willing to say, I don't want to live how I've been living in the past? I'm ready to make a change mentally that will lead to a, a change in action. Uh, are you ready to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And that you must be, you must be baptized for the remission of your sins. It is at that point in baptism in which we meet the blood of Jesus. We meet the blood of Jesus and it is able to cleanse our sins. Uh, we are no longer guilty of the things that we have done in our past. If you are a Christian and you're suffering right now, I want you to understand that you have the avenue of prayer. Uh, God has opened up a line that goes through Jesus, goes directly to him. Pray to God. You, 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 listen, understand the power that Christians possess. You, you don't have to call me to pray. You, you don't have to call me to pray. You don't have to submit it through the prayer request line. I know that we feel comfortable with having others pray for us, and it's a good thing for us to pray for each other. But stop what you're doing right now. Pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. There's one thing that I've noticed during this time of this pandemic, and it is that uh, we, 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 have to, we have to start being uh, individually responsible for our, our, our faith. We have to start being individually responsible for our faith. We should be able to uh, have the, if the government were to just tell us we can't come into this building anymore to present this worship to you, we ought to be in the place to where we can hold many worship services in our homes, right? We ought to be comfortable with praying to God, communing with God, right? We ought to be comfortable with those things. We ought to start taking our creating are having our own relationships with God, right? We can't, we can't continue to rely on somebody else to get us to God. Christians, you have access to God. You can get there just as good as I can. Amen? Uh, continue to pray for each other. Continue to observe what has been sent out by the CDC in order for us to flatten the curve. Go out for things that are essential. Okay? Be responsible. Don't go out because you want to have some chips on one day. Get what you need from the grocery store. Uh, stay at home with your families if you have the ability to do so. We're praying for those who are essential workers and have to go to work. We're praying for you. We're praying with you. And we understand that God is going to take care of his people. We understand that and we believe that. Uh, thank you for tuning in with us today. Uh, we're going to sing the song of invitation and, and then we'll dismiss.
all my trials and
to call on your name. Somebody better call on Jesus. Jesus, sweet, sweet Jesus. Every day. Remember a time when I felt so all alone. When I needed you, Jesus, all I had to do was call. Well, sometimes in the morning, sometimes late at night. But when I got up off my knees, Jesus, everything was alright. So I call on Jesus. Jesus, yeah, I love. 